uh, welcome back to our podcast today, which will cover uh, refining in 2021. Uh, it has, of course, been a horrific year um, for refineries all of last year, uh, not just due to COVID, but also due to the huge amount of overcapacity that we've seen um, in the in the sector that had started since 2019. Uh, does this year bring some hope for refineries, given that we are expecting a pretty strong demand recovery, thanks to vaccines and just people wanting to get around again. Uh, but there are still a lot of challenges and it's not going to be so smooth going forward, despite uh, the fact that demand is going to be picking up. So joining me today is Raul Alcamo, our head of refining. Raul and I will uh, talk through our views on refining and what it means for crude markets. Um, so Raul, welcome. Hi, Amrita. Thank you. And thanks to, to all of you to be with us. So first questions first, Raul. We've had a relatively um, strong finish to 2020. Uh, do we think that this year is going to bring good news for refineries? Or is it still more of the same? Um, yeah, I wouldn't call uh, strong. Of course, we had uh, a rally last uh, at the end of last year, uh, and uh, and we believe uh, this uh, should continue, especially for um, cracks like uh, the gas oil cracks, uh, because directionally um, all the fundamentals are moving uh, exactly in the direction of uh, supporting uh, gas oil uh, gas oil cracks. Uh, we still believe that we need to have rationalization of refinery in uh, in Europe. That this means uh, a lower supply will be partially offset, but by the cost and flow of distillate coming from the east of Suez, this will create not necessarily a cap in the rally of the gas oil cracks, but it will smooth. Uh, the peaks because you still have access to inventory and you will still have access uh, over uh, this year uh, to to flow coming from uh, Middle East. We need to remember that level uh, when gas oil is the best crack that you can produce, uh, mainly in Europe. Uh, of course, different uh, situation for US where in summer, uh, mainly is the gasoline the best crack that support uh, the margin of the business. We need to remember that a crack for gas oil around uh, $5 a barrel is barely covering the variable cost. And we are just talking about the variable cost. So this means a business that is already suffering for uh, more than 14 months because all of this started uh, at the end of 19, uh, well before the COVID, uh, where the demand, yes, was uh, spiking, but uh, the new start, the capacity installed in the east of Suez was offsetting uh, the demand. So a gas oil cracks around five, six dollar a barrel uh, is still a gas oil, a crack that doesn't uh, justify a very expensive business uh, that also requires you to run at high round, at high levels, well above the 80% to, to have an optimization on the fixed cost. So we still uh, define something lower than 10, 12 dollar a barrel as a weak cracks for the European setups. While it might be super uh, good and uh, a nice crux for the east of Suez. That's the, that's a brilliant point you're making, right? There's clearly a divergence between the three regions, I mean, Europe, Asia, and North America. Last year, we've actually seen North America being quite good at shutting refineries. We've always said Europe needs to, but, you know, Europe just keeps dragging its feet. But to your point, it's 14 months of such weak cracks. So when does 
the shoe drop and when do these refiners realize, okay, we can't continue like this? Because we clearly are expecting a few more million barrels per day of closures that have to happen in the Atlantic Basin. Yeah, as you as you said, and as we repeated several times uh, last year, uh, uh, Europe uh, has shown to be very slow in this process. Uh, there are all the indicators and there are all the supports uh, for uh, most of the European refinery to rationalize their business. Some of them will shut down, some of them will reduce their capacity, especially who has uh, more than one CDU in their asset. So we'll be able, uh, by shutting down one of the two or even one of the three, to have a slower uh, utilization of the asset, but of course, at the same time, uh, uh, maybe big reduction of the of the fixed cost because maintenance. Uh, we believe we will see already in Q1 and most probably from Q2 onward, uh, more announcement. Is it true that US has done, uh, in our opinion, a very great job, uh, almost able to offset what uh, is needed because uh, uh, over... Uh, what has been done already last year and what has been announced last year for uh, for 2021, uh, we are around uh, uh, 0.8, almost 0.9 million barrel a day of uh, um, less capacity in, in US that is offsetting the 1.6 million barrel of new starts that we have for 2021, partially, of course, but again, is in, in the right direction. Uh, the other important point uh, that we want to highlight is that the granularity and the size of the European refinery um, is is small in a way that requires a lot of refineries to shut down. And if you think that you can divide, simplifying, of course, you can divide the refinery in the one that, that are part of a major and the one that are uh, private entity owning mainly on one refinery or few refineries, is likely that this rationalization will be more uh, um, done among, among the majors rather than uh, on a single uh, refinery that if it shut down basically means uh, that the business is over. To your point, it has been a bloodbath in some ways for in refining margins, right? So yes, our, our view very much is, is that we're going to see more refineries close down but at the same time, we've got these giants coming up in Asia uh, and Middle East, both of them. So that is going to put more pressure on European refineries. And on the crude side, we are already seeing this. I mean, we saw this towards the end of last year, out of nowhere, really. Everybody was very bearish. We had been highlighting very strong demand out of Asia since September. And then all these Asian refineries, because demand in Asia is still strong and it has recovered a lot quicker than the West, they are coming and buying all the crudes that European refineries would have bought. So it's like a double whammy for European refineries. You've got overcapacity, to your point, lots of small capacity that needs to shut down. And crude, I mean, 40s and just dated blinked crudes are pretty much all headed to Asia. And that's going to be the case because OPEC are going to be quite vigilant in not raising production quickly. So then if you need to, if you have uncertainty around your term barrels, you tend to buy more prompt barrels. And then it's like more of the Atlantic Basin crudes that are heading there. So the physical differentials just remain very strong, which is definitely more bearish for European refining margins. But my question to you is, this is also not bullish for Asian refining margins because they clearly are buying the more expensive crudes, but they still tend to keep running. Yeah, uh, very good points. We are uh, uh, we strongly believe uh, that the the strength on the main products demand 
as you mentioned, will be passed through the through the crude price and through the um, also the crude uh, benchmark time spreads. This, of course, is uh, weighing on the is is weighing on the European refining margins and indirectly, of course, uh, uh, to the east of Suez margin. Basically. Uh, we will divide. Uh, we can divide the world in two tiers. We will have US that simplifying will be able uh, as a replacement value for the local refiner. Will will be able to see as if uh, product price uh, because they will remain a net importer of go- ga- gasoline and a FOB crude price because they will be remaining net exporter of uh, their local production, the US production. While uh, for uh, Europe and um, uh, east of Suez, the situation is totally inverted, uh, where they both buy their marginal crude as with a SIF delivered price, and they have to export part of their marginal production. So yes, the margin will be weak and will remain weak in uh, in East of Suez and Europe, because also East of Suez has to justify or in any case, make cheaper uh, the flow of the marginal barrel, at least on the WCC towards the Atlantic Basin. Uh, this is important to introduce uh, what, what is a second factor that, in our opinion, is very important has to be taken into account, and it is uh, how much uh, Asia specifically needs uh, the road fuel to perform. To just to justify the runs, and we believe that this is not paramount uh, because Asia is counting uh, when they process a crude, a barrel of crude, and when they transform uh, these in uh, in final products is counting now, of course, to the local demand for distillate, but is also counting on the petrochemical demand, and uh, the refining system in Asia, especially the refining system that has been installed in the last five years uh, sees uh, the road fuels cracks uh, with uh, a less importance than what is uh, for uh, for Europe. This will help uh, indirectly uh, Asia to maintain their, uh, their processing of crudes and their business, despite the fact uh, that the, the main road fuel cracks, gasoline and diesel, do not justify this. While for Europe, uh, those cracks remains uh, the main cracks that are um, supporting the margins. And if they are weak, the process of uh, closing and reducing capacity in Europe will continue. This, so this is why for us it's very important to not look at Asian margin from gas oil and distillate crack point of view only because there is a, a huge leverage on what can be done by transforming the fuel in NAFTA and ultimately in petrochemical. That's the most important point here to look at integrated margins in Asia, because you're not comparing like for like, essentially in the West versus the East. But then the question is, you know, the the Chinese dragon keeps producing more and more products and there's more and more refineries. Um, Don't you think there's also excess capacity in China that should be shutting down? If if we see the, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, and we also believe uh, that uh, this will be done. Uh, but while in uh, in Asia will be driven uh, mainly by the efficiency of the refinery, so we believe that uh, who has lower margin, so who is less efficient, who is less integrated, who is less uh, able to exploit the margin uh, due to the petrochemical, uh, will consider uh, a reduction. Uh, while uh, in um, in Europe, uh, this process will be uh, 
driven by the access to the cash and not necessarily by the efficiency of the refinery or by its, its actual margins compared to someone else that maybe having a better access to credit and having a better financial situation will be able to run. So uh, in, in Asia, uh, will be more smooth uh, and even more predictable because will be driven by the main fundamentals, while uh, in Europe might be driven by aspects that cannot be anticipated. But yes, in our uh, balances, uh, we still see at the current level of um, crude production growth uh, that we need to remember, uh, we remain 5.6 million barrel lower than 2019 uh, and all is marginally higher uh, if we consider OPEC plus and, OP and on OPEC, uh, marginally higher than um, 2020 production. We still see that at the current runs uh, in east of Suez, the utilization is uh, around 80%. That is a level uh, that again doesn't allow you to optimize the fixed cost. Ideally, you want constantly to run uh, above 85% you have margin to increase uh, your runs when it's necessary so you avoid peak in the in the product cracks but at the same time you don't run at uh, low um, levels that uh, increase uh, the impact of the fixed cost on your business so this level 80 uh, percent is still low and uh, and it requires rationalization in asia as well ultimately the point is uh, overall there is a, a massive excess of capacity. We count uh, that if we consider nameplate capacity and the typical um, maintenance that you perform every five, six years, we are uh, well above 12 million barrel a day worldwide. So the answer is always yes, you need a rationalization everywhere. And you know this is something we even wrote about in our Energy World 2021 piece that we released uh, at the end of last year. And we've got the whole list of capacity closures, for instance, there. Yeah, Europe has about 350 kbd of capacity closures is very small. Really, North America is the big one with over 700,000 barrels per day. Um, and Asia Pacific, yes, it has some. You know, Shell has come out, New Zealand. Uh, uh, Australia as well and Singapore with over 500,000 barrels per day. If you add all of them up, I mean, and I'm not including the Middle Eastern capacity closures, which are only going to be then brought on as a bigger capacity down the line, it's about 2 million barrels per day of closure. So how much more overall do we think we need to close down? Also, we need to remember that we are still building more capacity at the same time, on average, well over a million barrels per day. So how much do we need to close down before margins can, again, I'm not even saying rally, but at least get to a point where there's some profitability for refineries? If um, we need to split the, uh, in my opinion, the answer to this question in two aspects. First of all, uh, we said uh, that most probably U.S., uh, starting from uh, this summer, will will have uh, not great margin, but decent margin that puts U.S. away from this discussion. Um, second point, uh, just to answer directly to your first uh, question, we said already uh, last year when we published our long-term report and then when we published our medium-term report that we need at least 5 million barrel a day over the next, uh, the next five years. So uh, net, of course. Um, 
if we don't take the new starts into account that count for the next two years or so 1.6 million barrel uh, a day on average each year uh, so we still need other 3 million barrel a day we believe that even if we reach that level we will not see a great margin in the other two areas that we will look at why because if this is done uh, um, evenly spread among uh, european uh, asset and east of suez asset it will still create this migration of runs that you mentioned before with uh, east of suez beating the the crudes that east of suez at the moment doesn't have and has to steal basically from the atlantic basin uh, so we need a net value of five million barrel a day at least but we also need uh, that this uh, value is uh, much more in the countries in the regions uh, where uh, the crude is going from to east uh, i think that is the critical point that and again it's not that there is no hope for refineries but it is it's not a space where there is a lot of um, ability for these refineries to just bring on new capacity and then expect demand to catch up. I mean, clearly, demand has been hit very, very sharply because of COVID. But overall, there's a trend towards uh, green energy and lower consumption in the West. At least in the East, you have more manufacturing and you know the, the demand rise in the East has been phenomenal over the course of last year. And COVID has accelerated the trend of pretty much all the demand growth moving to non-OECD and OECD countries. So at least we can understand why they are adding capacity, but it really becomes a very two-tiered system uh, across the the world, really, in, in terms of refining, but also in terms of oil demand. What, what, what is paramount here also to understand and to, to bear in mind is, is exactly what you mentioned about the transition any any investment that you can think about today in europe is not uh, um, driven by the improvement of the flexibility of the conversion of the current system is to investing in something different while in asia we still have uh, the in the complexity the national index of the average refining they're improving so this means that whatever is the current situation you will have there a better ability to transform heavy products in more valuable products while in uh, europe at the best we will stay at the current level there is no reason to invest in new units or to become more integrated with the petrochemical that has been cut several years ago so once you take this direction it's obvious uh, that east of Suez will have always an incentive uh, to bid uh, the crude one dollar a barrel more uh, because the margins are coming from the better complexity that I have installed uh, in the last year. While in Europe, this process is actually going on the other way around. If, uh, for example, we also close a refinery that have a certain grade of complexity to improve uh, the energy and to speed up the energy transition, so even the direction of the investment is totally different that will uh, incent uh, exacerbate the process of uh, reducing the margin on the old style uh, system that was transforming crude in the main road and uh, supporting where this margin are uh, driven by for example the petrochemical or by something else that is not 
necessary only road fuels. I think that that is, I mean, really brings us to the end or towards the end of this uh, this podcast because I think two things you've mentioned there it's it's worth highlighting. One is the complexity is growing, which means processing gains is going to be a bigger and bigger part of our balances going forward. So one barrel of crude actually will give us more products down the line as well because complexity is increasing. Um, but also, I think again, things like LCFS costs and biofuel credits, it's just another burden for refineries in the West and has been one of the biggest reasons why you know, we have seen, uh, even in the US, some of the West Coast closures, um, which again, just means that there is more pain, unfortunately, for the refining sector ahead. Um, so, so two final questions for me, Raul. One is really, uh, when do we think at least for Asia, Europe, I think we're very clear on our views. When do we think in Asia, given our view that demand is going to continue to rise? Um, in the US, you've said Q2 onwards, margins will be decent. Do we come up with a similar situation in Asia, maybe towards the end of this year, or do they have to wait longer? And then the second related question is that at least in the past, during turnarounds, margins would get lifted. Over the last couple of years or last year, we didn't see that because there's so much excess capacity. You could argue in 2021, refinery turnarounds don't matter because there is so much excess refining capacity and therefore, you know, crude demand will just remain strong through the year. But uh, for refineries, they tend to take turnaround season as, okay, that's when margins pick up. They come out of turnarounds and they can increase runs. Will we see that seasonality come back or is it much more that just generally there's so much capacity available now that you've lost that seasonality as well. Yeah, uh, okay. About about the when uh, we are pessimistic, uh, we believe we will not see a, a great improvement to have a, a refining system back to the golden age before, uh, in this year, by the end of this year, because again, as we said, the process will be very, very slow. And uh, the beginning will be only a migration, so it will not impact the margins. Um, about the second question, if the maintenance is going to impact, uh, um, maybe this seems uh, simpler than the first. Uh, we believe no. Uh, first of all, because most of the maintenance uh, has been uh, brought forward uh, uh, to, 20, to 2020, to last year, uh, to optimize uh, the period when the margin were um, so weak. So likely we will not have the same level of uh, maintenance this year. Second point is uh, we still have uh, a lot of inventory that has been accumulated. And apparently, okay, this maybe is a conjecture, a conjecture is not necessary, but apparently it might not be fully hedged, especially if it is in Asia. So the, um, the inventory might be utilized uh, when uh, during the period of maintenance, despite the uh, and not utilized when the time spreads will require to draw the inventory because the cost of carryover will be too high if it is not if part of it is not hedged. We believe that the commercial assets that have accumulated inventory are not hedging it. They are mainly long flat price, uh, that's true, but they are not hedging, so they don't have cost or rollover. This will create a cushion when, uh, when you are on maintenance. So on top of what you described, that uh, is the main point, the overcapacity, you will have also the possibility to draw part of the inventory during the maintenance, especially from the commercial uh, uh, tank rather than from the tanks owned by trading houses. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so basically summarizing it, it's actually a bullish year for crude, given our view on supplies and the fact that refining will continue to just keep pulling crude. Uh, and it's not that great for cracks, uh, which means hopefully we have to come back next year in 2022, uh, fingers crossed, and maybe that's when we finally see a little bit better margins. It's not going to be this year for sure. Thank you, Raul. Thanks, Amrita.